Well, I've challenged friends of mine to get me to watch a Doctor Who story and to highlight all the positive things about it that I can. So come to my house and join me as I try. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, with me, Toby Haydoke. We've got to part four of this story. Let's see if we can make it fly. Hi Toby, my name is John Cooper and I'm a comedian and illustrator. The story I've chosen is Time Flight. Well, welcome back everybody. Has the Master finally defeated the Doctor? Well, let's hope we're not disappointed by Time Flight Episode 4. I come into it a little bit disappointed because I've just seen the camera angle I used to film Episode 3 and uh, it wasn't the most flattering. Um, Thank goodness for Ken Burns saving the day again, hopefully, uh, uh, in in post-production. Post-production, he says. Me trying to work out how to use a thing on the laptop. Anyway, it's my problem, not yours. Welcome back. Welcome back to Haydoke hey Towers as we watch, which I watched for the first time in Newbury and Berkshire when I was with my grandparents. I watched at least 15 minutes of something we're now going to see the whole of. Time Flight, Episode 4. Press play. Press play. Now. Or thereabouts. <laughs> well... Time Flight Episode 4. I I do never think... that I, th- I think t- Tom Baker's face works better on this, this title sequence than, than Davison. It's an odd picture of Davison, that. I don't think anyone's ever quite got into that. I think it's a, it's a slightly funny, sh- funny shape, and it's he's not got a great face for the Doctor Who title sequence. He's a brilliant actor and a brilliant Doctor, but the, the sort of flatness of his face it doesn't doesn't help that title sequence. Time, is Time Flight the only story with a dash in the title? Don't write in. It's spectacularly unimportant. But I've just seen the, the hyphen, of course, Time Flight. Uh, are there any other stories with a dash? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Uh, it might occur to me, but if I spend the whole story thinking, of, the whole episode thinking about punctuation in episode titles, this will be a rum-do. Uh, um, so yeah, I didn't see. The, I mean, this is obviously the the recap, but I didn't see this first time round because my grandparents were watching Crossroads, and as I say, as I said a couple of episodes ago, yes, they they they'd made me convinced I probably only missed the very beginning, but I certainly let's count because I certainly didn't see Professor Hater in the TARDIS, which gets Nigel Stock his episode credit and episode fee. Uh, it's not much of a part from because he, he appears at the beginning of episode two and he's dead by the end of episode three. Poor old Nigel Stock. I'm sure he didn't lose any sleep over it. I like a wire, uh, a, a red, a red, a t- twisty cylindrical wire. Uh, see now, because now we're all wireless. You see. Well, that said, I've got a whole load of wires um, traipsing about here in order to to set this up. Um, oh, hovering TARDIS. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I like the fact that Captain Stapp has taken his jacket off in order to get to work. Um, Richard Easton was... I was very pleased to see him. He's in Kenneth Branagh's film of Henry V. Um, yeah, Nigel's so right. I still hadn't, I still hadn't seen this bit. Uh, uh, 
so that so this was still crossroads was still on i'm sure it was crossroads um I quite like the veins on the wall as well. Um, oh, well done. Ah, oh, well done, Kaplan Sapley and, and First Officer Bilton. <laughs> Good work. I like the fact they've got to do something a bit heroic. Um, so, yes, Richard Easton is the Constable of France in Kenneth Branagh's Henry V film, which I was very pleased about because, you know, that was big news and everybody's in that movie. I mean, anybody who is anybody from Judy Dench to... Robert Stevens to Ian Holm. I mean, it was the creme de la creme of British theatrical and acting royalty. Um, but he also, and within that, and I, and I thought, well, maybe, you know, Easton is just amongst those, but Easton had also been in the stage uh, uh, version of, of, of Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, and he imported him along with not, not many of the rest of the cast. So, for example, Robert Stevens plays Pistol in the film of, Henry V, but uh, uh, it was Bernard Horsfall in uh, the RSC version. And I always felt, oh, come on, Branner. Robert Stevens doesn't need the work. You could have given it to Horsfall because uh, we like Bernard Horsfall in Doc Two Circles. But so I was very proud that Richard Easton managed to make the trip. And he's in Dead Again as, as well, I think. And then, and then worked in America and he won a Tony Award. Um, and also had a, I think, had a massive heart attack that meant he had to, I remember he had to pull out of a play or, 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 or something. Um, but was a great, but yeah, he he did great work on 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 Broadway. And as I record this, he died less than a year ago. He died just before Christmas, twenty nineteen. Uh, but had a, a fine career in the states, uh, which, I, as I say, had surprised me. I thought, you know, oh, a British actor's gone out and done that. But no, he he was Canadian. I discovered, I discovered later. Um, so he had a pretty good international career, and he's in Time Flight. Good for you, Richard Easton. Uh, and he's he's very good as the constable in in uh, Kenneth Branagh's Henry V, which is a, a a very good a very good example of how to do Shakespeare on film very well. Uh, shame, shame, everlasting shame, nothing but shame, says the constable. Um, <laughs> I hope that wasn't Richard Easton channeling his thoughts on his his appearing in Time Flight, which. Uh, you know, has not got the best reputation, but I'm I'm enjoying. The pace is good. I love the TARDIS on its side. Why is it? The TARDIS is so perfect. The fact that it's, you know, I, I was never a great fan of Star Trek, and I say that, and when I mean I'm not a great fan of something, I've watched every episode and can name all the regular cast of, 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 of all the series. I mean, I've watched every, I don't think I've watched all of, of of uh, of Voyager or, or or Enterprise, but certainly the the, the first three. Um, so when I say I'm I'm not a fan, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a massive Blake Seven for what fan, but I've watched it three times at least. I know who directed certain episodes, but the the thing about Star Trek and indeed Blake Seven, which I just done sort of brought up not intending to bring him into it into this argument is um is that that you know they have the best spaceship in the fleet um and you know in in, in star trek you can only be part of the crew if you're you know if you're the if you're the best at your job you're the best goddamn pilot that's not that's from something else but do you know what i mean um whereas what i rather liked about doctor is that the tardis was a bit <laughs> knackered and you couldn't really control it and you had to hit the 
the, the, the console with a hammer to make it work properly. And the doctor, you know, whenever his exam results were brought up or, or anything, he, was a, he wasn't the best goddamn Time Lord we've ever had. He wasn't the stuff of legends. He was, he was a chancer who got away with it. You know, his, what his driver was was to do right. But he, he was no sort of moral wiseacre. Um, he, he was very flawed. Uh, and, as, and as somebody that didn't quite feel like I, I fitted in, he was my kind of hero because everybody that saw him thought he was a bit of an idiot as well. I <laughs> thought he was a bit of a weirdo or, what, or whatever. Um, and, and the TARDIS on its side in the, in the Concorde cargo hangar or whatever it is, is a lovely image. It's such a great thing. It's such a great shape. It's such a... It's an aesthetically pleasing thing, yet it, with a ramshackle charm. Uh, and Davison's still got the energy. You, you know, you don't get the impression he's just walked onto set from, you know, having a, having a cup of tea, chatting to the Sparks or whatever. He's just, he's herring about time and space and everything's terribly dangerous. And he's always giving that impression. He's always, he's always finding something interesting to do, which is important for this sort of television. Because nowadays you can cut around bits and bobs. In in those days, where when it's sort of vision mixed, sort of as live, even though it, it wasn't as live like it was in the fifties, it's still vision mixed as you do it. Um, whereas now you sort of you cut it much more in in post. So. An actor like Davison who will do a thing like he'll point one way and then go the other or or there's always something going on with his face or he's always got a little bit of, if not business, emotional vault faces or, or, or just something where the energy flies about or, yeah, the, there is or there is business that, that keeps you involved or keeps you guessing or surprises you is very important sometimes when the viewers need something to keep their interest because an actor for the sake of the shot that's been rehearsed or whatever has to get from here to here or the fact that it takes an actor slightly longer to get in and you can't cut around that in a way that you would now where an entrance would would entrances and exits take take a much swifter affairs um he's worth his weight in gold is, is David, and he's made that transition to the more modern way of making television. I love the fact that Captain Stapley's mucking about with the TARDIS has, uh, 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 which he's um, berating himself for, is actually uh, scuppered the master's plans. Uh, I yeah, I, I think that's rather jolly. They, they, I like the way the pilots have been integrated into this. The Temporal Limiter. Yeah, so it's an interesting sort of um, bargaining on a bargaining on a Paleolithic landscape for attempt for something we don't really know what it is. Oh, the Master's Column. It's a it's a it's a. Oh, and there we go, and that's quite neat. That's a simple effect, isn't it? But all the extras coming out of a column that clearly only one of them would be able to fit into. Uh, uh. <laughs> See that? Stay. 
He's so good. And I was so cross with him as a, as a youth because he wasn't Tom Baker. I hated him. He was my least favourite Doctor, Peter Davison. And he's now one of my favourites. Uh, I'd say he's probably in my top three. Um, and it just goes to show um, that, you know, you should revisit things. <laughs> and I've revisited many a Doctor Who many a time. And I can constantly change my uh, opinions. Um, but yeah, I, there's a great line in School Reunion about saying for, for you're very conservative for somebody who behaves like such a radical. And Doctor Who fans are a bit like that. that when people say, what's, what's so great about Doctor Who? And we go, oh, well, it's the flexible format. It can be anything. I remember loving that bit of green. I didn't, I mean, it's just, it's just small figure, isn't it? It's just, and it's not even supposed to be alien goo. But I remembered just loving the fact that there was green goo. It seemed real and exciting and... and space age even though it's actually one of the earthly elements but I, I if if you'd asked me any time you know if, even if video hadn't been invented and dvds where we could watch again for what to remember about time fight i've got oh i remember the bit with the green goo coming out of the the, the concord the it's brake fluid isn't it or whatever it's con i remember the green goo concord brake fluid um and this is this is very Doctor Who changing the tyres on a Concord uh, in Paleolithic England. I'm I'm not sure of the proportions, but I don't really care. Um, it is. I mean, it is because is it John's favourite story? Did he say? I think he did. Um, it's 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 jolly, and I love the fact that Tegan is getting uh to do uh you know she's getting to do her uh her thing that she's been wanting to do all series I, instead of traveling in time and space i want to be an air stewardess i want to go from england to Schiphol airport i want to fly from england london to hong kong you want to go to an alien planet no i've 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 got limited horizons thank you very much oh film looks good doesn't it film looks so much better um, but I could always tell there was a difference, and I know my mother. My mother wouldn't have known the difference. She wouldn't. She if I'd said to her that's on film and that's on video, she she wouldn't have known what I was talking about. I think we're trained, aren't we, to see it? We Doctor Who fans. Uh, I I love the extra at the back, who's also sort of cosplaying as Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, they're sort of chatting away, going, do some rhubarb. He's a rotten fellow, this master, isn't he? Yes, he is, yes. Uh, have you been in anything recently? I did a yes minister the other day. Oh, they're nice boys, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> um, but, yeah, poor old Ron Jones having to direct... You know these sort of sequences when the when the when the money's run out and it is it does have a bit of a feel of that. There's not an awful lot of pace to it or anything, but it's 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 amiable it's an amiable adventure and and yeah i i'm not angry with it i i and it but and john john is a smart guy um he uh you know his love of this is tied up with his childhood and i love the fact that he's he's brought that to the table with this i i like that sort of feline kind of and it's like he's sucking on his dentures in villain it's almost like i've got i've had some stew and i've got a string of meaty gland between 
my dentures. <laughs> but I, I do like it. It's that he does thoroughly enjoy his villainy, does, uh, does, does Anthony Ainley. Uh, and it's curious, isn't it, that they went for the sort of look and the sort of slight feel. They wanted him to be a, a reminder of Roger Delgado, whereas now... As, as we've seen, you know, we go for a, a, as different a master as we do for the Doctor. This is glorious. Right, yes, of course, Tegan's job is that she is an air stewardess. So therefore, what we need to do is we need to give her air stewardess lines, uh, 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 even though she doesn't go, bloody hell, guys, we've just had an adventure in time and space, and this is where the dinosaurs lived. Let's get back to Earth. Go, no, I will talk to them as if we were on a flight to Paris, because... She's an air stewardess, and that's what air stewardesses go. It's it's one of, it's one of the few moments where you go. I think we're in a program aimed at kids here a little bit, you know, that where somebody's job becomes their character. <laughs> and I I can understand the temptation to to do that because you go, oh, finally we've got this character in a position where she gets to do the thing she's been dressed as for the entire season. That's another. Um, so it was it was actually it did give familiarity and and continuity the uh the the fact that the regulars were dressed in the same clothes but i i i i prefer i think my i could i i can see the reason that john nathan turner wanted consistent images to have you know chances of merchandise and recognizability of of brand it's very modern uh, and yet nowadays we would go for more realism and go no people will change clothes between Doctor Who adventures. People do not wear the same things uh, every day. Uh, and I, uh, I I prefer that approach. And it, I think it was a slightly uh, backward step, even though I can understand why why John Nathan did it, Turner did it. That's uh, very much a, a, a producer with his eye on what's out there rather than what's on here, which is, which is an approach. Uh, it is a producer's approach. Um, the Concord stuff looks great. Oh, but we're going to have the shot now, aren't we? Have uh, the the cut and the shaking's good. Oh, the doctor's slightly out of focus there. Yeah, this film stuff's great because it's and it looks beautiful on the Blu-ray. Uh, now I think the Blu-ray people have made that shot perhaps look slightly better than it was, which is the the takeoff with a bit of Paleolithic uh, set in the foreground because I rem. I remember that looking a bit pony. Um, but we know the memory cheese. Oh, and there's the shot of the Concord takeoff. Yeah, and I'm not sure how I feel about that because actually that did look pretty good. But I'm I'm pretty certain it didn't originally. And I'm, I'm not, and I'm very good friends with all the restorers. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, I, I do quite like... Uh, it to remind me of what I saw when I was younger, even if what I saw was a bit terrible. Uh, and I do adore Captain Stapley's, what did I tell you, Doctor, finest aircraft. You go, yeah, you are proud of your Concorde. And it is a beautiful, a beautiful looking thing. Um, and Davison, again, he's got that Troughton thing of, of, of he's never entirely sure what he's going to do is going to work. And I love that. Um, that's a brilliant image. Oh, that might be my favourite thing of the episode. It's the TARDIS on its side. Oh, now do I have to do two things? I, I can't, can't remember my own rules. This is terrible because this, this is entirely not for the demographic that these these are aimed at. 
Doctor Who fans are people who like things to be just so. If I've got rules about how many things I have to be chosen and what the consequences of those are, I have to. They have to be the same every week, and I just can't remember. I think. I think. I think I have to choose one for this episode and, and one overall because that's what John's doing. And then if I've chosen more than half of the things that I've chosen match with what he's chosen one of us dies I think that's I think that's the rules <laughs> and it's just, now the film you see it looks it looks so good and hats off to, to John Nathan Turner apparently nobody had filmed at Heathrow Airport prior to this that's pretty good and at a time when a lot of television looked quite similar you know just the idea that an episode would be shot abroad was was amazing so this would be something this would but which is why all those publicity photographs of them in front of Concord were taken this this would mean that this would look unlike anything else on this week and that's what you had to do with the amount of drama being churned out that's what you had to do because there was a lot of stuff which was actually a bit like some of the other Heathrow stuff here lots of middle-aged white guys in a room yelling at each other that's the sort of drama I was brought up on uh, and and so actually going well we've got it set in a genuine airport and it looks real and it's on film was a way of going this show is this show is worth watching because it's 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 visually it's visually different um i uh, are you, you good but you don't need to run away doctor who because but but you the the, the airport guys do know who you are um but um, I remember that looking worse uh, when I watched it too. Oh, and he's zapped. Oh, and he's zapped the master away. Does he do a cricket thing? Yes, he does a cricket thing. Boom. Um, which again, Tegan is an air hostess. The doctor likes cricket, so if he can use a cricket metaphor, he absolutely will. Um, but we. It's, yes, it's it's a bit of a sort of off-screen exit uh, for the master. In fact, the master doesn't have an awful lot to do, does he? In in that story, um, he doesn't get a big slice of the action. Uh, where's Tegan? She is walking around Heathrow Airport, um, reminding herself what she's missing. And this was a this was a, a neat. Uh, swerve because it was a it was a surprise i mean i didn't get the magazines anyway so i didn't i didn't know when people were leaving but i remember being surprised and and disappointed that tegan was leaving and of course she wasn't but very cleverly she's not in episode one of arc of infinity so you don't realize she's coming back you think she's gone they're very cheeky these three pilots they're they're quite insubordinate in a very jolly hockey stick sort of way <laughs> they are quite they are quite wizzo aren't they um did i think peter grimwade went to private school if my recollections of what he says about the writing of mordred undead are anything to go by and and these guys are like the sort of prefect keith drinkles having a whale of a time at the end there being a bit cheeky with his boss he's clearly going yeah you vote you you kip uh, <laughs> uh but that's brian mcdermott uh that who who I think it was the referendum party in 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 those days. Uh, 
that that McDermott uh, represented. Yeah. That, he's got a beige jumper on as well. There's a lot of jumpers in this story. Uh, yeah, I think you are. I, is that Les Conrad with the beard? I'm going to go for broke and say that's Les Conrad, that policeman with the beard. And I, there might be a subtitle here going, no, it's not. He's talking rubbish. I, I will I will spare my blushes occasionally. Um, Les Conrad, the policeman with the beard, if that is Les Conrad, is the dad of the twins in The Twin Dilemma. He's also one of the gun runners in Caves of Androzani. He goes back, he's an ambassador of death. He crops up now and again. He's a supporting artiste, but he, and he's the, 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 the dad of the twins in The Twin Dilemma. Oh, oh dear, uh, Mr. Sheard Scott, oh dear. Um, yeah, what, and that was a real shock. And I remember my, my granddad being quite shocked. Oh, is she leaving? Oh, she's crying, you could see the tears. Um, that's a that's a lovely wheeze because that's the end of the season. But you go it ends the season on a on a sort of shocked shocked note because also it's not like a normal departure. If she'd mar gone off and married somebody, you'd have sort of gone. Well, I'm used to companions leaving that way, so 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 yeah, okay, that's the end. This it does it, it does feel like a cliffhanger. It does feel like something that, that that's not the final word. Even though, as I say, when it when it goes goes back in. Uh, it, 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 the following season she's not in episode one so you go oh well maybe she she has gone so he, he was full of good ideas to, to to sort of keep it mixed up a little bit uh a little bit john nathan turner and i actually wonder if that might be my other thing what am i gonna say shall, shall i shall i say it's the time the TARDIS on its side. I just love that image. The TARDIS on its side in the Concord hold and Tegan's fake cliffhanger are my two things. My my one thing about episode four and my bonus thing. What has John Cooper chosen having chosen time flight for us, which I think was a lovely challenge. And I hope I managed to be enthusiastic. And I hope I've made up, because I do feel guilty, because I've, I, will have, I will use John's introduction to every episode of this, where he basically says, uh, when he told me, when he came out to me as a fan and we were going to bond as fellow fans, and he said, my favourite story is Time Flight. And I said, that's rubbish. I hate me for that. I hate me from the past. So I hope I've managed to make up for that by having jolly fun with uh, with the people of Time Flight. And I didn't even choose, just that this is early on in this process, I'm deliberately trying not to choose an actor or a character where they do a thing, because otherwise I do that all the time, because I've written a lot about actors. Um, actors are very much my thing, character actors I love. And I will talk about them at length, but I've got, you know, I've got four episodes in which to do so. But I think it's cheating if I keep picking them as my favorite thing much as i love captain stapley and richard easton uh who i do eulogize in running through corridors volume three i'd love to go coming soon but i don't know if it is um but that's proof that i've i've, I've written my bits uh anyway what's john chosen uh, and my 
the best thing about episode four is Concord flying through the time vortex, which just looks absolutely amazing. And if you are like a 10 year old watching that, it's just like, oh my God, this is amazing. The TARDIS is inside Concord, flying Concord through the time vortex. That is things that kids want to see. My bonus thing about the story is how terribly nice and British the captains of the aeroplane are. The captains of Concord, terribly nice, not swearing. We seem to be in prehistoric era. Oh, never mind. Um, and, and that is time flying is one of my favourite stories. I love it to pieces and I hope I'm going to make you love it as well. Uh, well, uh, yeah, John, and, and uh, so you did, We, our minds were uh, in accord at various places even though I didn't necessarily finally fixate on the same things that you did. I think I think, uh, I think, think we're of a mind uh, with various things. I, I'm delighted with the things that you chose but I'm also quite pleased with the things that I chose as well. Um, although I, I think the TARDIS on its side in a hold is cheating a bit, but it seems to me to encapsulate so much of what the charm of Doc 2 is and how its iconography is so adaptable and malleable and, and charming, charming. And I, and I think Doc 2 at its best is very, very charming. Um, uh, so I hope you were charmed by Time Flight. I hope you enjoyed watching it at my house with me and my friend John Cooper. John is a delightful comedian. He does a character called Danny Pensive, who is, I mean, I've used the word charm very recently, is the most charmingly wonderful evocation of sort of innocent joy and guileless um, aficionadodom. Uh, and he, he wins you over from the minute he's on stage. He's a great wordsmith too, John. Um, and with that character, uh, sums up a lot that is, is a lot of the sort of otherworldly innocence of people who like stuff. And I think that's something to be celebrated and is often something to be mocked. And John manages to to celebrate without mocking whilst also being terribly funny. And he's a great illustrator, too. And I uh, and, and I, I haven't obviously listened to the, the coda to his message, but I know I told him to plug his stuff. So do go and, 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 and uh, find his illustrative stuff and his 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 cartoons and his stories online because uh, they'll be up your street because he is a he is a child of Doctor Who. He was born in Jurassic England and brought to the present day by Concord. Uh, so check out his stuff if you can. It's been a joy talking to you. I hope it's been tolerable to listen. That was the end of Time Flight. There'll be a brand new story in the next edition of Happy Times and Places, which is what we always try to maintain here. So for now, with a smile on our faces, it's time to say cheerio. I think you'll find. 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 Just a quick one to say, I think you'll find. I was correct. It is indeed Les Conrad as the bearded policeman. Thanks to my guest, John Cooper. John is a terrific comedian who has lately prospered on stage with his alter ego, Danny Pensive, a disarming and charming love letter to geekery, a beautifully benign and gentle creation who will particularly appeal to listeners of this kind of podcast. Check him out if you can, and also John's other creative endeavours, which include illustration and cartoonery. I'll leave the final words to him and wish you all the very best until next time we meet on or behind the sofa for another episode of Time and Space's Best Ever TV Show. 
you can see me on stage as Danny Pensive, and uh, I have a comic out at the minute called Distance, which is all about the crazy things and dark things that have been happening uh, in the world since March. Uh, it's a strip that I've started. It's going on Kickstarter. You can find out more about it at johncooper.org.uk. Happy times and places. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to my supersonic podcast, Happy Times and Places, which was presented by me, Toby Haydoke. My special guest was the comedian and illustrator John Cooper. The music for Happy Times and Places was specially composed by Dave Gates. The next story featured in Happy Times and Places contains words that should be plastered all over the internet. Do not fight in here. It's the evil of the Daleks. My thanks to this episode's featured patrons, Jenny at Blue Box 99, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Luke Atkins, Len Stewart, Nick Temple, Michael Williams, and Adam Westwood. And thanks, of course, to everyone who is supporting me via patreon.com forward slash where you can get early access and bonus episodes, plus various other goodies. Do go to my website, www.tobyhaydoke.com, and sign up to my mailing list. And do me a favour, if you have enjoyed these podcasts, do please rate and review them wherever you can, and spread the word too, on social media or simply by word of mouth. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe to the official Toby Haydoke YouTube channel. Mm-hmm.